welcome to No Notes. I'm Colby. And I'm Alex. And welcome back to this week's episode. So I'm really glad that you're back in the U.S. I know. We are just little international superstars lately. Yeah. yeah. So you were at Paris Fashion Week? Yeah, Men's Fashion Week. My second time. It was really fucking cold. So uh, it's so you went for the men's portion? Yeah. So men's and women's are split. Uh, men's happens in January and women's will be at the end of February through early March. And also right now there's women's couture week going on that follows men's fashion week. How many years have you been going? This, this was my second okay. uh, to okay. fashion week. Um, I've been invited a few different times like years ago. I was invited to a Chanel show and then a Balmain show, but the timing never really worked out. Um, but yeah, it was cool. So it feels like it's been going on for forever but how long does men's last it's a week it's just a week it's just a week um it starts on a i think the shows kick off on the wednesday of the week it's held and then they run through that sunday oh crap i keep seeing like a lot of uh what you're probably thinking about is that there is more than just paris men's fashion week there's also um milan milan and then london as well and they all kind of run back to back so if you're following, you know, a lot of influencers and stuff, they were probably hopping all over the place. I only am interested in the Paris Fashion Week. Is Paris only featuring French designers? or For the most part. Okay. There are some, like Valentino has often um, shown at Paris Men's Fashion Week, despite being an Italian designer. Um, just because historically, like bigger bigger production, bigger crowds, it's, you know, like sort of the, sh- the shows to go to. Right. And I really love that you go to Paris Fashion Week because every time you go there, you distribute my headshots and mm-hmm. my, my modeling portfolio. And yeah. I just get so much work off of that. Exactly. They're just piled up in the Parisian trash cans <laughs> next to the discarded uh, mattresses covered in bed And the bugs. bodies. Yeah. Yeah. For the rats. Oh, God. Um, so I have a coin here. Per usual, we're going to start off the week talking about our tops and bottoms. So for the new folks, we flip a coin to decide which one of us will discuss a top, aka the highlight of the week, and the other will discuss a bottom or something bad that happened this week. So what do you want, top or uh, heads or tails? Um, I want to cover tails. Okay, let's see. For bottom. And it's and it's tails. Okay. So you get to discuss the bottom. I guess I'll discuss the top. Should I start off? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, although... Tomorrow is my birthday. We celebrated my birthday yesterday at my place, and I had you and uh, a, a good amount of my close friends. A gaggle. Oh, well, although it included some straight people. It did. It did. Uh, yeah, so you guys all came over, and you guys uh, had, we had tons of drinks, and I had a birthday cake, and a birthday, or like a wrapping. Unwrapping. Get, unwrapping in front of a lot of and people. And what did you get? I got a PS5, which I've wanted for a while now. I know. And you got me the Hogwarts video game. Yep. You can finally catch up to everyone else. I know. I know. I'm like two, what, two, three years behind? When did it come out? <sighs> it, was, it was last year, right? I think it might have been last year. It was last year, earlier last year. Yeah. But yeah, I got to catch up on all the games that came out. I got Hogwarts. I got to do the Spider-Man 2. I got um, God of War, Ragnarok. So lots of games. Are you much of a gamer? Yeah, so I think I've said this before. I, I think we actually talked about it. My like favorite gift that I've ever got was a PS2 with a Jack and Dexter. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that opened me up to a whole new world. I did. I'm a Kingdom Hearts gay. 
Oh, I loved Kingdom Hearts. So that good. song is still stuck in my head. Simple and clean. Yes, yeah, simple and clean. Love it. I still listen to it. But I have to say the first one was clear and away the best. Kingdom oh, Hearts. yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where they kept on developing sequels, but they didn't really know what to do with the story. And so it just became kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, Kingdom Hearts was Final Fantasy for the girls and the gays. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it included a lot of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, plus Disney. It's the only acceptable Disney thing yeah totally um so what what is your bottom um well my bottom is hard for me to talk about oh this week please share this is a safe space um trying to not get teary-eyed here but (laughs) i found out yesterday that alex rodriguez my best friend is a liar and a fraud okay but who cares wait what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I found out that despite claiming she's your biggest idol, that you do not follow Hillary Duff on Instagram. I don't follow any celebrities. I don't know. I feel like you've been gaslighting Wait, us. how did you know that? So it was really random. I um, Someone <laughs> mentioned something about Hillary Duff, uh, and I went to go to her Instagram just to see what she looks like right now. And I did that because I came across Goldie Hawn's page the other day jump scare which i realized she's like in her 70s um i thought she was dead well it it looks close to that um but i ended up on hillary duff's page and i also didn't realize she only has one l in her name which yeah uh, and i yeah because i remember when they were saying hillary for uh 2026 they would scratch out the extra l uh, and have her got it so Um, that image is stuck in me but then it showed like this the mutual Uh or like the people following her and i was like Aradamon is not here. Yeah, yeah. I don't follow any celebrities. It's what's the point? Yeah, I just think you've been gaslighting me now, and you're actually <laughs> not a stan at all. Um, what did you think about how she looked? Um, she looks okay, but she really. So I thought she looked real. I, like I think she obviously she's had like you know Botox and injections, but I think she looks. I can't remember normal. what she's selling to. It's some sort of. It's giving um. MLM pyramid scheme kind of thing like it's oh, no. it's not like herbal teas or maybe it is she's selling something like that that's giving very Coachella Valley girl um it probably gives or, them or Mormon uh wife sort of thing it's it's definitely like a pyramid scheme oh, no, Hillary. Um, yeah it seemed really I should reach out sad maybe she's not doing well yeah maybe she'd like to hear from her biggest stand that doesn't follow her yeah she would yeah, she would for sure listen to what I have to say. And then I'll, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I have to tell you, I am addicted to this guy on TikTok. I think it's Chris Joe. Can I, I search him up right now? Sure. I think I sent you the videos. He's been documenting his time on the Atlantis cruise ship. Okay. That has been blowing up everywhere the this whole Atlantis I think I saw some content last year but this year it's the amount of Atlantis cruise content that I've been getting on TikTok and Instagram is unmatched are you have you seen the videos of I think they're both content creators and by content creators I mean only fans gays but have you seen the two sharing their boyfriends I think and they're sharing one Asian one white yes, yes and they're sharing their tips of optimizing your time on the cruise ship yeah the thing is the tips aren't very helpful because they're like decorate your your door and it's like how is that a tip how well, is it gonna oh help well you? they're showing you 
like you cover it in photos of yourself so people know who li- who's in this cabin in case you want to engage in activities with those people. Or you can just, but no one's going to walk around the, the hallways seeing like, oh, this is an empty door. I wonder what they could look like. Like, what does it matter? What do you mean? Like what? Like when has that ever been a thing? Like I think where I look of, around the hallway to see like who who's gonna should I just sit down crisscross applesauce and no, wait for I the think door it's to open? because like I imagine at some points in the evening that those doors become semi open door policies. Oh, and you, I guess I didn't. I, I don't know that. And on your way to your cabin, you might find some that are intriguing to you and that you want to explore. But if the door is open, yeah, but. How can they see who what's on the door? I think you're making it far too technical. <laughs> uh, I think cruises in general are not for me. Have you ever been on one? No, that but they're not for me. But you don't know unless but, you've tried it. But the concept of being in the middle of the ocean on a boat, I to be I've fair, never... you do get sick on boats typically, even the big ones. No, no, I'm saying you do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have I have emotional sickness. Yeah, so I mean, you could take... Emotional sickness. <laughs> you have that as well, but have that, yeah, you have I'm... emotion sickness, yes. Um, I mean, obviously, you can take things for that, but that aside, so I've done a couple it's of cruises, incurable. and I actually really like them. Oh, I know, and you like steel shorts, too. No, I don't like steel shorts. Everything about you is... we're we're regressing to the mean over here yeah um no so i love cruise ships um actually it's been probably almost 10 years since i've done a cruise but what i really liked about it the applesauce no i liked that you didn't really have to plan anything you just showed up you eat dinner in the in the same restaurant more or less at a assigned seat and you can order whatever you want and during the day like there's just not a whole lot to do. Back in those days too, there wasn't great like cellular service on board. There wasn't like really Wi-Fi per se, um, or if they had it, it sucked. Um, so you, it was like one of the true vo- vacations that you could really disconnect and just truly relax. But I think that would be very different on the Atlantis experience where it's kind of just a floating bathhouse. My biggest question is why does Atlantis continue to have these parties? Like they can't be profitable. Oh, I think they are. But like no one drinks because they're on, you know, they're doing other things. And you think they're not drinking too? I, I don't think they're not as like if they were to have a regular Atlantis cruise, like a non-game one, people are going to be buying those alcohol packages. Yeah, but think about how much money they save on food cost alone. They probably only have to have enough food for one day. Yeah, but isn't that another reason that they like they're not making money off of the food either because gays well, don't most, eat. So, well, most of the food on a cruise ship is like all inclusive. So, and I would say over the last few years that model's changed a little bit where some of them like these more premium ones like the Oasis ship that this is on have added on additional restaurants and stuff that you can pay um, you know, per meal and stuff, but that wasn't sort of the traditional cruising experience. They're not going to be making money off of that either. Yeah. So, but I'm saying like all the buffet food and stuff that's included, like who's eating that? Yeah. But no, you don't have time for that. Also the biggest, uh, money sucker is the amount of like, they're going to have to deal with the overdosing. So like the medical tents <laughs> they're I'm serious. Like the insurance is probably through the roof. Well, I mean, they've been doing this for what? Like, a decade or a couple of decades. So clearly they're making something off of it. 
God. I just imagine that the like PA system every morning like reminds everyone to get in line to get their doxy and prep and their pure for men fiber yeah. supplement. I've been seeing like a lot of content like everyone's uh, alarm goes off at the same time to take the prep. <laughs> um, so in addition to the Atlantis cruise like content, I've also been getting a lot of the gay ski weeks. Yes. Aspen. But right. I've yeah, I've seen that it's been generally a lot more positive for the gay ski week as opposed to the cruise trip, which has been dragged by Evergate. Like Evergate saying this is the hell. But when I look at gay ski week, it's all positive. It's it's like this is a cruise that I would want to be on. Why do you think so? I mean, there's definitely a double standard there, and it honestly feels like it's probably some snobbish kind of thing because it's the same kind of gaze going to both just one maybe has more means than the other yeah that's exactly what i was because it's like even though i'm sure there are diverse people at both of those the when Uh, you see all the photos it's it's white muscle gaze yeah the scale of them the skate the gay ski week is all white muscle yeah i mean like uh, Aspen Ski Week gives nothing but like mean gay energy. Yes, it, it's expensive to fly out there. The uh, accommodations are way more expensive because of the limitations. Yeah. And I mean, you, Aspen's expensive and, and exclusive general, in general. Yeah. Plus so, all the, the uh, equipment you have to rent. Yeah. Plus also to, you know, go to the parties, you have to do, you have to ski there to the uh, a pre-skiing or whatever the... To like a lodge. Um, to the lodge. And so you know how to, you, you have to do that. You have to know how to do it. Yeah. So you have to come from a family that did that, which was extremely expensive. Or you had the means to get like classes. Right. And, get the classes, yeah. rent like, the equipment. Yeah. So you'd have to come. Yeah. I mean, I think it just boils, boils down to like classes and elitist like views of these things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's very similar sort of activities going on, I imagine, and the stories that we've heard, especially of Ski Week. Um, so I don't think you can really look down on, on one and not the, not the other. Yeah. Um, on the cruise ship, what I often think about um, are the employees. And I would, I would pay so much money to see a documentary from their perspective. I wonder if they prefer, I because gays are, gen, well, you have like the two types of gays. The one gay is like really nice and accommodating. The other one's like very bitchy and needing. But mm-hmm. I feel like overall, they probably would prefer to deal with a gay than a guy from the Midwest. I don't know. I'm kind of wondering if for those, uh, for the Atlantis, uh, ships if they replace the employees that are working on that ship sort of year round with just a all gay crew like similarly on a flight no. we just get all your gay flight attendants negligence and- can you imagine <laughs> they'd be participating in the substance abuse the uh, orgies they'd be, it'd be messy it'd be i just can't imagine putting a straight person through that and honestly that's coming from someone that I really like my spaces to be terrifying for straight people. Like you should not feel comfortable announcing you're straight and the things that we like to do, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But even for me, something like this cruise ship feels super daunting. Yeah. 
the I, themed parties alone, like I think I saw this year, there was like a mermaid theme, which that feels really original <laughs> and an animal print one, oh, uh, gosh. which like, what is the point? It's, it's sort of like Halloween where, yeah, you're going as like a demon or an angel, but what you're actually going on is like a slut. It's yeah. like, here's a harness and a jock strap, And all you did was change the hat or added some wings. Or you're carrying a pitchfork or whatever it is. This is the same kind of thing. Like, why don't we just, why don't we even need a theme is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, it doesn't even keep things fun. It's not like anyone's going to be able to see the costume too, because the lights are off and everyone's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. I will say in defense of the Atlantis cruise, I do think that we should have more forms of queer only travel. Um, like I would love a gay airlines. I think that'd be so much fun. Um, messy also messy but i'm kind of here for it because it would be such a limited amount of time i think that's what it really boils down to me with the atlantis cruise is it's like seven or eight days for the big oasis event and just imagine any of the parties we go to but not stopping for seven to eight days yeah it's the length and time i do they even go anywhere like do they yeah the one this year went to um haiti uh and the dominican republic and puerto rico i think no. Um, I'm not sure if anyone makes it off the ship for the excursions. I'm assuming some people do. It's funny because although I've seen a lot of the party content, I've never, You've never seen, seen any of the excursion yeah, content. I've That's what I'm saying. Um, I, so I'm sure that there are people there that are less interested in the parties and they're there for like, the shows, because I think they do end up bringing a lot of entertainers Might on board. Might as well go to a regular cruise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. I just, when I see the photos, um, I just see a lot of the same kind of, like I know the type that goes to these things. Not entirely, but I'm yeah. just saying there's a lot of this one particular type that's there. Mm -hmm. And I never enjoy my time with those people. Yeah, it takes a lot of work for me to, you know, be happy yeah which to stay there yeah which again everyone there is just looking for disassociating yeah. yeah with a bunch of substances so similarly are they even having fun yeah I don't, well, I don't. they're not there so and they're just shells of people my general critique of these things is like there are it's it's the same kind of the same group of people i feel like that i see at a lot of these things like we've talked about this specific people that we follow on Instagram that mm -hmm. are on this and they'll be at the Barcelona circuit fest and yeah. they'll be at Excelsior Miganos. And if you're going to go to this and your goal is to like hook up with a bunch of people, which good for you, go, yeah. you know, go you girl. Um, how many times can you fuck the same people? That's so true. I've never thought about it. The same, it's the same people over and over and over again. If they didn't like you the first time, they're not going to like you the second time. But maybe they're all friends, like all 3,000 of them. <laughs> they're all like, hey, I feel like they're reunion. not. I feel like there's a lot of drama, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, not gays. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I did see a comment on one of the videos, and it was by that couple that we were talking about that was like how to work out on the cruise ship. And I saw- a, Oh my God, the amount of people in the gym. Well, it reminded me of Provincetown. And I saw this comment uh, that was like, people work out on vacation. And Alex, that made me realize we're kind of toxic, like as a species, because we go on vacations and don't even skip chest day, leg day. You got to have the pump. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it applies to everyone. I feel like the straights go on vacation and don't, don't work out. I see a lot of them go on runs, <sighs> whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I would just be looking for a life raft the whole time.
Speaking of our no notes section, the yeah. key word looking, looking. So there, it's been 10 years since HBO's looking came out. So, uh, looking is a gay, what would you call it? Dramedy, gay comedy and dramedy. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be so, like sort of a mirror of, of real life, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was created by Andrew Haight, came out again 10 years ago this month, um, about three best friends living in San Francisco, all of them gay. And it, it really focuses on their relationship and them just kind of living in San Francisco and the struggles that they face. Um, so it premiered, like I said, uh, 10 years ago. Did you watch it from the beginning? Yep. So when I watched it, you know, 10 years ago, I was living in Atlanta um, and I was in my, uh, early twenties then. So I guess that's one thing I wanted to chat about with, with you, I guess, I guess first, how has the show been for you as someone that you lived in the Bay area when you first saw it? So when I first saw it, I was actually in uh, college okay. in Santa Barbara. But still you had grown up like, in the Bay area. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess what's that been like for you, like from the time that you saw it then versus, versus now because for me um it was really my first sort of peek into san francisco i had never visited um and couldn't really i guess i i have a different perspective now that i that now that i live here so i'd love to hear about like how that's changed for you yeah so what i can say is that the at the time when it, it filmed san francisco i think was probably the top location for yuppies young professionals so even like graduating from college i would say half of my friend group moved to san francisco and these people were straight they would move to san francisco because that's where opportunity was at san francisco in 2014 was the hub for all sorts of tech uh, around the united states everyone would move to san francisco so even in the show, it's capturing like a lot more lively San Francisco. Since then, I think that San Francisco hasn't fully recovered and it's it's just not as lively as it was during that time period. And I think that's the one thing when I rewatched the show for this episode, that's the thing I saw. I, San Francisco was more livelier at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I seeing it now um well let's come back to this i want to come back to like how it's different for us now that 10 years later um when it's, i think it's like so nostalgic like it's when i first saw it I, I was like i didn't really know um those areas that they were going to but now like every single shot that they that they did in san francisco i knew exactly where they were at so one thing I've always been told about friends, like I'm not a big fan of friends. I hated friends. Um, but I've heard that for people that were in a similar age range as those characters and watching it, that they really related to mm-hmm. the show. And now 10 years later, I'm in the same age range as the characters in looking. And I didn't initially like looking, but now I think I relate a lot more to oh. the content of the show and also living here um i will say i think we have a chain or we have like a difference in opinion when i first watched it 10 years ago i was hooked i would go 
every single week to Avery's house, actually, our friend. Oh, nice. Um, and we would watch it every, as it was coming out every single week. I loved it. I, I What did you love it. about it? I connected with the... I, like I didn't necessarily see myself in any one specific character, but I did see traits in each of the characters that I saw myself, even like the female character, Doris, mm-hmm. the way she hides all her feelings through comedy and, and jokes. Yeah. But she's actually like the, the biggest sweetheart. I like, I see little glimpses of myself inside each of the characters. Who's your favorite character? Doris for sure. Nice. You? Um. So, I mean, I was kind of trying to find a way to dance around this, but my favorite character is one that's probably not super obvious, and that's San Francisco itself. Yeah. So I've never seen a show like looking where San- the city itself is such a big character, even more so than I think Sex and the City. So I was reading um, an article about this, and I didn't realize that looking was originally meant to be in Williamsburg. Really? Yes. And it blows my mind that they changed the city. And I've never seen such an accurate portrayal of a city before. Like we see a lot of movies and TV about New York, for example. And it's always the more glamorous aspects of it. But San Francisco, and the reason I say it's a character is because I think San Francisco definitely has some very specific attributes. Yeah. And they capture it so well, like the grit of it. Mm-hmm. And even when they're at restaurants and stuff, they make no attempt to make them look more glamorous than they are. Like a lot of them are just very like, you know, there's you know, a, you, a lot of the places are yeah. dated here. Um, and it, they even make fun of the, like that, that grittiness to it. Like when, uh, during the first season, yes, one of the characters, Dom, he's trying to open up a, a pop-up restaurant and it's in the Tenderloin and they keep on joking joking that oh this is like an up-and-coming neighborhood and there's like homeless everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. like it, it it stays true to san francisco in all aspects well even like the places they live in um because i i don't think it really matters like who i know here i mean you guys just renovated your place so that's a little different but almost everyone i met here no matter what they're like spending on their place for a month it's all these like really dated victorians yeah. that uh have creaky floors right. and, and they, they, they capture that, that. Um, so it, I, it's actually filmed. So all of it is filmed in proper San Francisco. Yeah. So that's the, the, that's the other piece is like when play, people come and film in various cities, they tend to hit a lot of like the tourist hot spots and just things that are more well known. Like if you just did a Google search of where to go, but they, you can tell they really took their time to, um, show the parts where people actually live yeah. and visit, like the kind of bars they were going to. Right. And the thing I will say about the bars is you'll see scenes of them walking to a bar and they're walking in the, the direction re- is yes. correct. And same when they're driving as yes. well, like coming back from Oakland, the bridges they're going yeah. on. Whereas like, I remember this is the one that comes to mind, but princess diaries, they're like literally driving. All, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they were, they would cross the, the bridge city. into Marin, but she's going to like school in San Francisco. So she's like, it, it makes no sense geographically, exactly. but not, not San Francisco or not looking, looking does it so well. And so accurate, even when they talk about, like um dom's boyfriend lynn working in the flower shop on castro it it's, it's in the there castro. it's there it's actually there yeah like it's amazing i i just love the amount of attention and details of that and i think it is the most richly deve- developed character in the show and i think honestly you have to live here to be able to fully appreciate it um but what i see now 10 years later as someone like living in the city 
I'm really connecting with all the spots I see in it. And I think of the times that we've had yeah. in those spots. Yeah. The amount of location. I mean, like it is truly, truly impressive. The amount of uh, scenes that they are able to capture in San Francisco, like Andy orphans, um, orphan Andy's or yeah, orphan Andy. <laughs> sorry. Dolores Zuni Park, cafe, Zuni cafe, um, these establishments. El Rio. Yeah. Yes. It goes on and on. Um, I will say, and you comment on this, it is a little bit of a time capsule of a different period of San Francisco, yeah. the hyper growth phase before the pandemic, obviously when things were just, the streets were livelier, bars were livelier. Um, so in that sense, it's like kind of sad for me because I, I got very limited exposure into that side of the city. Um, but I, I can still see all the like, um, a lot of the charm of it is, is yeah. still here today. The DNA still exists. And if anything, it really makes me want to get San Francisco back in that in that phase. Like San Francisco is going through a period of transition. It's never going to be like it was in 2014. And I'm not looking for that. But I think we are in the next five to 10 years. It's going to be changed and it's going to be positive. And I, I really want San Francisco to come back at least live in terms of the population. It's going to be livelier again. It just, it's going to take time. What do you think of the main character, Patrick, who's played by Jonathan Groff? I think, uh, watching it, especially, I think this is my third time watching it all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, you really see how flawed the character is. So I like, I, I, so one of the things I see a lot of myself in him is that he, his bottom shame? <laughs> it, no, not that. But fuck you. Um, it is like how risk adverse he is. Yet he takes so much. Like he does so many bad things that are so risky. Like um, hooking up with uh, his boss while he was still dating someone else. Um, and openly trying to f like flaunt that around the office. Exactly. Or like making those uh, a terrible, that Halloween episode in season two when he's like, every I literally single time. have this written down. I don't think I've cringed harder, but I cringe because it's so realistic. The way they draw Patrick, the way they wrote him is so realistic. I see so many gays exactly like that, that are mm -hmm. just that explode like that, that are just tear each other, like tear themselves apart. Like it's, He's so well written. It's it, it's amazing and well acted. Jonathan Groff, who plays Patrick, the main character, kudos to him. There's this one scene in the season finale of the second season um, with Russell uh, Tovey, his boss, Kev, or at that time partner. They're talking about monogamy, and it's a five to ten minutes um, of without a single. It's just one shot. Like they don't cut the camera, and you see the acting. Jonathan Groff really underrated performance i i'm surprised that he never got nominated for an i mean this it's and honestly a pretty important conversation too huge and it's totally true that what they're talking so they for the viewers that don't know in the season finale um the main character patrick finds out that his uh boss has been um on grinder right and uh is having a conversation with him about whether they want to be open or not and kevin is saying that maybe we should be open because who cares if I get drugged off in the sauna? What does it matter if I'm, if I'm in love with you? Like it, it yeah, it I just left matter. my boyfriend for you. Right. But I think for Jonathan Groff's character, it's like, okay, maybe this is someone that doesn't actually know what they want and yeah. wants a little bit of everything. Right. And exactly. is that enough for me? And then when he's asked, why is monogamy such a big deal? When 
his mom couldn't do it. Right. He couldn't answer that. Yeah. He couldn't really handle like the introspection and. Yeah. Why is monogamy important? It's, it's still very much relevant. Although it took place 10 years ago. Yeah. It's still a very relevant and very, no other TV show has talked about. It definitely did a really good job portraying relationships and, and like San Francisco, I think has been a little bit on like the bleeding edge of this for a while too. But, um, you know, there's a lot of like polyamory that's presented. Um, and just, you know, it just, it sort of broke the mold a little bit, I think, and, and showed a more authentic version of just the nuance of some of these relationships here. And another thing the show did really well is that they're able to talk about so many different, um, things. So like, one character in the second season is HIV positive. Um, yeah. Uh, one Eddie. Exactly. There's a relationship where it's kind of like an older, younger relationship. It, they focus on a lot of different aspects without it, without it being like Degrassi. It never is corny. They're able to check off like a lot of these checklists, but because it's written so well and the acting is done so well that it, it, it seems very organic. Yeah. Another thing about this, um, about looking is how diverse the cast is. Mm -hmm. So I like, I don't, I'm trying to think of, is there another, uh, care? Like there is Richie Mexican. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a gay Mexican character. Augustine is, uh, Cuban. uh, Cuban. Sorry. Even including him. Yeah. So both, uh, Richie and one of the characters, um, what's his name? I'm forgetting it. Frankie, uh, it, they're both Latino gay. Yeah. Like, I don't think at 20, in 2014, there were Frank other shows. Frankie, yeah. They were, um, they were presenting any sort of gay Latinos. Do you think that was a part of the appeal for you initially? Oh, definitely. I know we talked about like the representation piece and definitely not only was there a Mexican character, he was seen as sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have co- yeah. characters. Oh my God, your your sexy Mexican boyfriend. Like he's he's hot. Like that that is so important, especially in 2014. There weren't that many queer um, uh, Latinos, and I I'm pretty sure I think his name is Raul Castillo who plays Richie. He must have been battling for that that shot that acting position because there is there wasn't a lot of actually. Um, they were never really meant to have. Um the as significant of like of a relationship like his character was not supposed to be as prominent as it is in the show oh really but apparently the chemistry between the two of them on screen was so good that they decided Wrote to him. yeah well i what a thing i was uh commenting to my partner when i was rewatching it was that the first episode of looking rich's character seemed so different from the subsequent episodes he seemed a lot more um, uh, aggressive. Like he, they meet on Muni, another great San Francisco uh, little treat. They yeah. meet on Muni and he's like, hey, what's up? You know, and that character, that that type that he plays in that first episode isn't replicated in every, any other episode. So I, I, I did think that maybe something was up. Yeah. Um, this is also kind of related. You know, Ethan Kraft from Lizzie McGuire. Yes. In the first episode of uh, Liz McGuire, Ethan Kraft was a bully. That's how they wrote him. Oh, he was trying to get Gordo to smile mm-hmm. in that first episode, and they were like, "You got to smile." That character was supposed to be a bully, and Hillary or Lizzie was was supposed to have her own um, 
interest in, a, in some other cute boy, but because of like cost reason, they just wrote <laughs> Ethan Craft as also the attractive guy. Nice. Um, convenient. I know. Convenient. Convenient. Well, I, yeah, um, no, I totally understand that like the castle is more diverse. I guess what comes to mind for me um, as sort of the looking before looking is Queer as Folk, which I know you have not seen. I haven't seen. So how can you compare? Because that's five seasons. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because I own the box set of Queer as Folk. And despite all my best attempts, I've never completed the the seasons um even though i do actually really like the show and i really like some of the characters wait so you said you haven't completed a i haven't completed the final season um oh even to this day to this day and i need to um i i'll not to deviate too much into queerest folk but there's just some characters that become a little bit annoying for me and i always kind of fall off at the end um but for the most part i really loved queerest folk and there's a lot of good um rich characters in that show that i like but i will say Queerest Folk is pretty singularly focused on a specific, like, stereotype of white, party, gay. Um, Were they all white, all the characters? They're all white. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's some other characters throughout the, the season, but all the main characters, it's a group of white gay friends and s- some white lesbians. All that to say that I think it's a show that probably a lot of people would struggle to relate to. And especially in a more modern context, like that was like one window in time of of gay life. It's not necessarily as representative of today. And it wasn't that innovative for its time. The only thing that was innovative was the amount of like graphic sex that it was showing. And looking, I think, uh, tries to avoid the sex as much um, and focus on other like just daily aspects of our life. Which I think is why so many people connect with it and mm-hmm. appreciate like the authenticity of it. Yeah. I would add though that the sex scenes I thought were done well. Yeah, I would actually argue it would have benefited, I think, from a little more of it even. I love that you can hear the the sex. Like you can't necessarily see, see it, it, but you'll go uh, something <laughs> smart that they they did. Um and again it, it's what makes you find the show to feel authentic. As they talk about some of the things we're a little less comfortable discussing. The douching. The douching. Um, Patrick's concerns about being rimmed, even though he just got out of the shower. Yeah. Uh, the HIV scare. And the eye. In the in the eye. And also there was like when an he's episode. at the clinic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When we're like, I mean, who hasn't been through that where even if you had nothing but safe sex at right. that moment when you were getting your HIV test, you're it's like the scary. You're like, please God, I will never I'll have my sex best again. Behavior. Yes, I will. I will go to church again. Please let me not. Have yeah, HIV. and then afterwards, you're, you're like, book off. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's. Um, I think so. So much of that is really uh, approachable and relatable, and it's not often as talked about. Yeah, one of the characters, Dom, he's Portuguese and from Modesto. Another great point. There's a huge Portuguese population in Modesto. Mm. That is like, like the amount of research Since again. They did. They, oh, it's just fantastic. Um, you've talked about Dom. Um, and besides San Francisco, yeah. I would say that Dom is my favorite character, not just because Murray, the the actor, is hot, hot. dude. Oh, him my and the White gosh. Lotus too was also just. I like I forgot how attractive he was because we have seen him in, in white lotus right obviously and to older. be fair he has aged he um, has aged man he was, was in hot. his 
prime. He was a daddy. Like daddy. A super hot daddy. And he has great, you know, the sex scenes that he has are fantastic when he's like walking around in the sauna and like the perfect amount of chest hair. I like love how hairy he is. I think I would have really loved um, a series of just him and Doris. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, like, Dor- Ugh, can we talk about Doris for a second? Yes, of course. I think in the first season, she's like, you know, kind of the comedy of the show. And mm-hmm. then the second season, they really develop her relationship with Dom. They, I like, agree. The they first really season know. gives a little fag hag yeah. energy yeah. just because she just feels like a supplementary character. Yeah, and she is. Um, but then you find out how much rich backstory that she has with Dom and the, the, the death of her family or her dad. And they have to travel back to Modesto and you get to right. hear um, the eulogy about him and how it incorporates her. And yeah. It, yeah very. And then obviously, you know, they've gone from lovers and and growing up uh to close friends friends. and i would say is probably the most healthy friendship in that whole series at the end when uh they don't break up but dom and doris have this like breakup moment where she's she has to grow up. She's in a relationship with a man. Well, they've been like leaning on each other forever for, for, and, and it's keeping them from growing. And yeah. I really love the way they approach that conversation and yeah. just the way that they support each other through the series as both of them go through really hard times. Right. Um, I don't know. I really loved them and I could have done with just a whole show of the oh, two of yeah. them. Honestly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anything else? Well, yeah, I had some, some critiques of the show. Oh, what what do you have? Um, some unrealistic things. Mm-hmm. Why does everyone drink beer so much? I don't know anyone that drinks. Do you know anybody that like drinks beer like that? I don't remember there being that much beer. Every meal, every party really? they go to, every bar yeah. they're at. They're, yeah, they're I having do remember. Beer. Yeah, you're right. Very, you're right. very. Although to to be fair, I guess ten years ago, I feel like that was like a height of the whole. craft beer craft beer brewery ipa thing and so maybe that played a part in in it but i'm like girl if this was authentic everybody would yeah i would not think that a lot of the so they also talk a lot about a drug drug use they do um to some extent like they go to that party at the russian river and then like when they're celebrating uh maybe uh augustine's wedding well also when um frank Frankie is having like in the second season he's you know exploring himself there's this one scene where I think he's at Toad Hall he meets someone and uh the, the person he met takes G and the the guy yes texts, uh, asks him have you been drinking alcohol and he says no doesn't play well with others right right yeah, I saw that um also that was Badlands right the bar was there it I think it was Badlands you, you might have been right like yeah. the first yeah. bar when they right. go in um yeah. Uh, by the way, that character, the one that gives him G, um, is in a great movie um, called Getting Go. And you should totally check it out if you haven't Is he seen gay it. in real life? Um, I think so. I also, that's another positive thing. Although not everyone that plays gay is actually gay in real life, they do. A lot the, of the characters are, are actually gay. And I think that's really important. I think that we should continue uh, having gay characters being played by gay actors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um this is not a critique of the show but is another critique of you 
Um, but you know the good luck charm that Richie gives to Patrick, oh, the, the Scopulario? Yeah. Where the fuck is mine? <laughs> I've never, I, I th- I've seen them, but I, it's not, it's not very common. Okay. I didn't know if it was more of a Catholic. No, I would have given you one. Okay. I, maybe we should get a, a version, a anklet version. Oh, uh, let's do anklet. Let's do an anklet. Okay. We need something. <laughs> <laughs> or we can, um, share one. It's broken in half. Mm-hmm. And when we're together, it's oh, the Virgin Mary. That would be cute. I do want to get into why you think the viewership was never strong. Oh, okay. So for uh, as we said, this has been ten years. Um, it got renewed for it, it was two seasons long, and then after the second season, it was canceled because of the lack of viewership. And um, on Wikipedia, it says that the season finale only had about a, a quarter of a million people w- tuned in to watch the season finale of, of the second season. So my question is, um, do you think a show like this can ever exist um, a, as a part of a, um, a, a television show on something like HBO or, or Peacock or anything like that? I, You know, the reason I think it probably didn't do as well is... I think it maybe mirrored reality too closely, which didn't stick out to me at the time because, again, I was in my early 20s. I wasn't living here. Now that I'm here and in the same age range, I'm like, God, I feel like I'm watching like our lives or something. I I agree. Although I connected with it immediately, it's one of the shows where it's it has a very niche audience. It's 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 very niche. It's very niche. And And again, if you don't have a connection to San Francisco, I feel like it would be hard for you to appreciate the show like the amount of detail and the lives these people are living in some way it feels very much tied to the city itself i agree i it's so sad because um hbo obviously will have budgets for this stuff but they're not gonna put in any effort because it's gonna be like like looking it's just too niche of an audience and other other networks like logo they can't afford shows like this to get actors of this quality writing and and film in san francisco it's too expensive so it's really sad i think this might be the one and only gay media where we have a television show like i'm sure there's going to be movies because it's a kind of one-time offs right where the budget is going to be small but i think for a television show i think this is our one and only shot that we're ever going to get is i don't yeah. think there's ever going to be a looking equivalent I mean, if if something's done like it, again, I think it would be better delivered in a movie format. Um, just because, again, I think it's I think it's hard to come home and put on something that, again, just feels like... It's not escapism, if that makes sense. That's correct. It's definitely realism. Um, but, I mean, I guess for people that may not have watched it and pick it up or that are maybe revisit it now, like, are there certain things that you think we can take away from it or that were valuable in watching it? I think that its legacy and of looking is going to be um the realist it's it's, it's a, a real portrayal of of gay relationships mm-hmm. i think the first scene in the first episode and the second uh the opening of the second season focuses on relationships the episodes are three buds and they're laughing the legacy is going to definitely be the portrayal of gay relationships I think that's the biggest takeaway is guys come and come and go, but the plutonic relationships that you establish. Yeah. Just their friendships, the friendships. I think it's totally the most important part of that, that I think there were a lot of important narratives too. that, you know, like Patrick's character 
he as soon as he's like created this shit storm for himself mm-hmm. instead of staying around to deal with it he just has left, left for another city and we've known people like this too yeah. that it's just instead of dealing with your problems like some you just, even went to the same state <laughs> some did <laughs> uh but yeah like it's, it's an important thing that it's like you can't just run away when, from your problems yeah you, you have to deal with them and i think that's a like there were a lot of just lessons on maturity in it that i think i take away from it yeah. and even the friendship piece like seeing how doris and dom supported yeah. one another um i just thought all of that was, was done great. so well and another thing that i i just remembered is um how accurate it was for people that stand for nothing kind of fall for anything mm-hmm. so it, patrick he talks a lot about like being embarrassed to show his mexican boyfriend to his mom um and you you see his interaction with his mom and then you think she's going to be this monster but then when she reveals that she's been on Lexapro and she's on marijuana um you know the the main character is shocked to hear this and she asks well if you would have asked you would have known and you kind of see that no patrick's kind of the asshole yeah yeah and i mean when i first watched it 10 years ago i think that's one thing i, I really struggled with the characters because some of them are just selfish and like Patrick in, yeah. in general. And I, I found um, him just kind of an asshole. But again, now that I watch it, it's real. Like, it's yes, real. they are assholes, but it's so, I know, it, I know people I like know ex- that who are going to make the same decisions that yep. they did. It's, I, that's just the, yeah, the writing of the show, the acting. I mean, it's, I, I really hope that we get another opportunity to see these characters again or something like looking. Yep. But I, I really think that this is going to be probably the, there's never going to be a, a looking. And I, they, um, Russell Tovey that plays um, Kevin yeah. and some of the other actors, they have stated that they would love to see some sort of reboot to say, okay, it's been 10 years. Where are these characters yeah. now? Um, and I, I think I would love to, to see that. I would be first one, even if it's just like a short film, mm-hmm. I'd love to tune in. Can I tell you, um, I, I hated the end of season two, but I loved the ending of the movie. And can I tell you why? Why? So the, do you know where the movie ends? Yeah. Yeah. They're in Orphan Andes mm-hmm. in a booth. And at, to me, the best nights we've ever had in the city, they all end in Orphan Andes. Yeah. So to close out the city in that, and it's the booth that I think yeah, when we're yeah. our big group, we always sit in. Yeah. It just felt like the perfect closure to something that is a bit of a love letter to the city, I yeah, think. Yeah. So, yeah. I, watching this has just made me love San Francisco so much more. Yeah. And my friends. Yeah. And think about all the memories that we have in it. So, you know, um, if you haven't been to San Francisco or if you do live here, I think it's just so cool to see something that, um, you know, really shows, I think the beauty of the city, despite it's, it's grit and flaws. Yeah, definitely looking, uh, if anyone's ever interested in San Francisco and how it actually operates, I think looking would be the best example that, that we have to point to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? No, I think that's it. It's been fun chatting about this with you. It's been fun. All right. See ya. See ya next week. Hey, it's Colby and Alex here. Thank you for listening to No Notes. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share with your friends. You can also follow us on Instagram at No Notes Pod, one word, 
where you'll find updates on new episodes and see more into our lives and the stories that we share with you on the show. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, keep it real and keep it queer.